that I speak and the words that you hear be Christless. Amen. Have a seat. Can everyone hear me? Yeah. Okay, good. Well, my mother always told me when I was growing up, sticks and stones can break your bones, but names will never hurt you. I used to be bullied in school. I was a little kid. I wasn't as big as some of the other people in my class, and I was always coming home complaining to mom how people had treated me. And she used to tell me, you know, sticks and stones, sticks and stones. But, but the reality is this. Names can hurt. They can hurt a lot. And now, when my children were young, they used to love the outdoors. And I, my third son, Alec, he, uh, he used to love to play outside. And you couldn't keep him inside. He, he'd go out in the rain. He'd dig in the puddles. He'd play in the mud. And uh, as a result, he was often filthy. Like, like really, really, like mud everywhere, right? And I got to calling him my dirt magnet. And uh, he didn't think that was very funny. And he got the courage after about a week or so and came to me and said, I don't like it when you call me that name. It makes me sad. And uh, I, I think about that day often, really, because, first of all, I felt really, really bad, but it must have been hard for him to muster up the courage to say that, and he was only six, because, you know, names can sometimes define who we are, and he didn't want to be known as Daddy's Little Dirt Magnet. <laughs> That's the reality, but he had the courage to, to, to tell me that, and I never used that name again, actually, ever. To define him. Now, the names that other people call us and the names we sometimes call ourselves can define us. So, if I told you there's the rector, that, that gives you an idea of what Paul does, right? And maybe a little bit of who Paul is. But if I told you that I'm an engineer, well, maybe that doesn't make the same resonance, right? But I am. I'm also a priest, I'm a dad, I'm a lot of things. But when you, when you pigeonhole people with a name, it can really define who people are. And if you let yourself be influenced by that, it can, it can really read in, you can become the name that you're called, right? We, we, used to, we used to laugh in the Navy when I was in the Navy about people who couldn't, couldn't separate the fact that they were like captain of a ship from the fact that, that they had another life off up the ship. They were just captain everywhere. Even tried to be captain at home when they came back after their wife had been looking after the family for eight months and they'd been, you know, on a ship. So names, names have that, that power. And I'm, I'm told that there are social science experiments that they've done, blind experiments, where they've put, like, they've taken kids and they've separated them and they've put they're all, all, all kids are the same, and they put some in a class and call them gifted, and they put others in a class and call them regular, and the gifted kids actually do better. Why? Because they've been told that they're gifted, right? Names have meaning, and they can be a self-fulfilling prophecy, and sometimes almost impossible to break free from. And names play an important part of our gospel today. And I, I want to start looking at the gospel by setting the scene. Now, at first glance in the gospel, you'd think that this is just a story, another story of Jesus healing someone. 
But there's way more to this gospel, and I want to dig a little deeper with you, scratch the surface, and get into some of the meat. So let's set the stage. Jesus is crossing the Sea of Galilee. So he's leaving Galilee and going to a place called Gerasene. Now, this is important because Jesus is leaving the land of the Israelites, of the Jewish people, and going to the land of the Gentiles. So he is crossing boundaries. This is the one and only time Jesus leaves the land, the promised land, and goes out into the Gentiles. And he's also going to a place that no self-respecting Jewish rabbi would go. It's Gentile country. It's unclean. Jewish rabbis, they, they would not go there. And they wouldn't take their band of followers there either. And when he gets there, he's confronted by a man who's possessed. And he's not really possessed by one unclean spirit. He's possessed by many unclean spirits. So he's occupied, really, he's not possessed. He's occupied by a host of spirits, hundreds, thousands, you know, of spirits. And, and you know, when... When he, when he says his name, legion, we're supposed to know that a legion is about 6,000 people, in a unit of 6,000 people in, in, in the uh, Roman army. That's what legion means. So when he says, my name is legion, Luke is trying to tell us in the story that there's many, many demons infesting this person. Legion defines who this man is at this point in time and we don't know if the man or the demon is speaking at this point in the story but we can we can be sure that his identity the one that the townspeople and the people in the countryside know him by is defined by that that name so he has no name or identity left as an individual he's just legion so You've got to understand, this guy is a Gentile, he's unclean, and he's possessed by hundreds or thousands of demons. That would also make him religiously unclean. And he no longer lives with the, with the living. He lives in the tombs. He lives with the dead. A place that Jews would also consider ritually unclean. And the man's story is tragic. He's alone. He's wandering the tombs. He's chained hand and feet to try to keep him in the tombs. He's living a living death. His, the place where he is, the way he's living, it's a living death. He's separated from normal people and normal things. And he was a frightening hazard to himself and to the community. And he's so overcome by violent impulses that he's breaking the chains that are binding him. So he's not in control of his life. These demons have him completely in his... He's completely enthralled by the demons. He's a frightening hazard to himself and to others. His community has excluded him. But what does Jesus do when he comes in? He heals him. He sends the demons away to inhabit and drive mad a herd of pigs. And the pig keepers, seeing what happens, go back and tell the townspeople and the people in the countryside what this man Jesus has done. 
And when they return, what do they find? They don't find this, they don't find Legion running around in chains. They see a man sitting at the feet of Jesus, calm, listening to Jesus talk. That is the role of a disciple. That's what a disciple does to a rabbi. So you've seen Jesus in this story completely transform that situation into something new. So so after seeing this, you'd think the townspeople would be celebrating, but they're not. Instead, they're full of fear even though Legion has been expelled from this man, Legion still controls that community. And the power of Jesus to heal this man and expel those demons was a power that this community was afraid of. They'd lost a herd of pigs. The world that they'd set up, getting this guy out of their community, has been totally disrupted by this man that's come from away. What would be next? So they ask him to leave. They ask Jesus to leave. It's too dangerous. There's too much change here. But not before Jesus sends his first disciple to the Gentiles, the man who was called Legion, the unclean man who lived in an unclean place, was asked to spread the good news to the Gentiles. Now, we can take even more from this if we look and consider the first century context of Jesus' actions. Because while Jesus was proclaiming the kingdom of God, he takes some time to cross boundaries and go to the land of the Gentiles, an unclean place, a foreign land, the very place where the Jews would never expect a Jewish rabbi and his followers to go. Because Jesus is willing to go absolutely anywhere. Jesus goes to a foreign land to heal an unclean Gentile man possessed by unclean spirits. A foreigner who would not have any relationship with the living God. He wasn't a believer. He was a Gentile. The very last person a Jew would expect Jesus to heal. But you know, Jesus is willing to free and to heal all broken and despairing people. We are God's beloved children, all of us. And God's love is unconditional. And Jesus crossed the sea to find his first messenger to the Gentiles. In an unclean man, in an unclean place, rejected by his community, the very last person a Jew would expect Jesus to send out with good news of God's kingdom. Because Jesus has a role for all of us in his kingdom. No one is left out. So Jesus is willing to go absolutely anywhere. He's willing to free and to heal all broken and despairing people. And Jesus has a role for all of us in the kingdom. Those are the three things I take away from that gospel reading. And the gospel then invites us to consider where Jesus will go to meet us and what Jesus can do with the forces that occupy and control our lives. What role we can establish, or we can, we can find to help establish God's kingdom. You see, we all have demons. Dark places. Our demons are no less powerful than Legion was 
in that story. There are forces that capture us and prevent us from becoming what God wants us to be, what God intends us to be. And our demons are many. They could be addictions, obsessions, destructive habits, idolatry, and so on. And these demons, they, they trap us in a life that isn't life. It's certainly not the abundant life that Jesus has offered to us. They cause self-destructive behavior. They hurt us. They hurt our relationships. They hurt our communities. They separate us from family and friends, and relatives. Many people today are isolated, and many of them are as alone as that man in garrison. And the point of this story is that God can cast out demons. I know that. Jesus can liberate us from those forces that occupy and control us. But you know, the people of Gerasene remind us that not everyone is ready. Not everyone is ready. In Gerasene, they were used to legion. They were used to the man's shackles and to his ravings. They found a way to cope with the life that isn't quite the life that God wants. They've made a way to survive. He was part of their he was part of the way that they they just existed in garrison. And when Jesus freed that man and the demons left, the people of Garrison didn't know what to do. Jesus had upset their world. And, ter- and it's terrifying when that happens. When Jesus healed that man, they were afraid. They had their own demons, whether they're community demons or individual demons. And that led them to isolate and confine this man to the tombs. And it's clear they weren't ready to deal with him. So they asked Jesus to leave, and he did. Don't send Jesus away. Don't send Jesus away. He will challenge our demons. He'll cast out every power that prevents us from living fully and freely as human beings created in God's image. He'll bind the powers that stop us from living as a community in God's kingdom. He'll bind the powers that stop us from living life abundantly. We just need to ask Jesus to stay and to help. And this is good news. Remember, Jesus is willing to go absolutely anywhere. And Jesus is willing to free and to heal all broken and despairing people. The question we need to ask is, what have we become used to in our lives that Jesus needs to come in and get rid of? What we got used to in our lives that Jesus needs to heal? Because God is at work in Jesus to bring God's kingdom on earth and to give us all abundant life. As it is in heaven, so it will be on earth. Jesus gives us new life and new names as children of God and asks us in that context to reach out to others and encourage them to accept the promises that Jesus had to offer because Jesus has a role for all of us in his kingdom. The garrison man had lost his life to a legion of demons, but Jesus restored it. 
Jesus gave him his identity back. And you know, Jesus gives us our identity too. It's first announced to us at our baptism when we're washed with water, sealed with the cross of Christ, and sealed with the Holy Spirit. So when we lose our identity to the demons that steal our life, when we feel trapped by past hurts, when the world around us presses us with idols like materialism, reach for Jesus. Remember just how much God loves us. Let the God, the Son of God, restore your identity as a child of God and cast those demons out. Don't let deficiencies and setbacks, sorrows and despair or disappointments and failures define who you are. Don't let those names be who you are. Remember your true name as a child of God. Don't let these events, these names that people want to place on you or you want to place on yourself, rob you of the abundant life God promises. Don't let them ruin the hope that Jesus wants us to experience and to share. Don't let legion take over your life. We are God's beloved children, forgiven of our sins, healed of our disappointments, and blessed with an open future that will see us through death and a new life. As God's children, we can fight legion too. Because God will go anywhere to free and to heal. And he's counting on us to help create a new and better future, free of all these demons. Amen. Thank you, David.